Choir. There we go. Amen. Thank you, Choir. That was awesome. Good job. It is great to be back. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And while you're turning there, how about a big amen for this rain that we're having? Amen. amen. I was in uh, Dalton, Georgia about two or three weeks ago, and we were surrounded by fires up in there. And so I know that they're being thankful right now for the rain, and I uh, know you as, are as well. Uh, it is good to be back once again, and I have some special guests with me. Uh, one of my board members, uh, I have, um, we have nine board members, right? And so I have one of my best friends and board members, Dan Salter, and his lovely bride, Miss Elizabeth. And they drove all the way from an hour and uh, 15 minutes down the road <laughs> to be here. So it's good to see them. He used to be my neighbor, lived like, I'd say, half a mile from my house probably. And, uh, but we met in Tennessee a long time ago, and so it's good to have them here. Uh, I love this time of year. And it's not just because of Christmas. Christmas is my, my favorite time of the year. But um, it's not just because of Christmas. Also, I got married in January, uh, January 5th. Um, and, and so because of that, it's very special to me. And those of you that don't know, God did not give me my bride until I was 33 years old. So I was ready for a wife. I've been praying for a wife and fasting for a wife. And God answered the biggest prayer of my life by giving me an awesome woman. And uh, I, I, as we say in football, you know, I punted beyond my coverage. I mean, I punted way beyond my coverage. And uh, I prayed for, a, you know, a beautiful woman who loves Jesus, who is very smart and intelligent. And, my, and God gave me my wife, who is a rocket scientist. And I'm not kidding. She, she worked for NASA on the, on the space shuttle. So God blessed me way more than I deserved. And so because of that, uh, I appreciate her probably more than maybe some of you do. Your brides that you got when, you know, you were 19, 20 years old, something like that. Because I waited so long, I was like, I'm celebrating this all the time. So we celebrated our 10th year not too long ago. And... Um, when we did, I wanted to make it, you know, special. So I took my wife to a really nice restaurant. I'm talking about one of those kinds that has the real silverware, you know, and the real glasses. Not, not, not it doesn't have the glass with the letter M on it. I mean, it had like a real glass. You see through it. And um, so, I mean, we get steak. I mean, it was awesome. We get through. We go outside, and I mean, it's snowing, you know. It's coming down. It's real romantic and all that stuff. And so we're walking down. It has all these shops and stuff. You go shopping. So my wife loves chocolate. So men, you want to score some points with your wife? You give them some chocolate. So there, well, there's this chocolate store right there. I said, hey, honey, you, you want to go in and you know, get some chocolate? She said, oh, yeah, I'd love to. So we go in this store. I mean, candy store. I mean, everything you could possibly imagine they had. So she, I said, honey, whatever you want. It's our anniversary. We're celebrating. So whatever you want, honey. She said, okay. So she goes over to the right side of the, uh, the little store. I go over to the left because in the back, I saw this guy making some caramel apples. And I'm talking about them big green granny apples, you know, that are sour. And then they throw that caramel on there. And then he could put on there anything you want. From I'm talking about from Oreo crushed cookies to M&Ms to nuts. You name it. He says, what all you want on this thing? I mean, it's fresh. I mean, it's hot. It's still gooey and stuff. He said, what do you want? I said, man, I just want mine plain. He said, you going to eat it now? I said, yes, I am. He said, then I'll cut it up for you. He sliced that thing, put it in a box. I'm like, man, this is awesome. I go to the front to pay. As I'm up there getting ready to pay, of course, they got all the good stuff right there, right? So they had one of them little uh, refrigerator deals with all these truffles. And I mean, I started to give me two of them, one of them, give me another one of those. And, so I, and, and then they got scraps of caramel apples left over from in the back that you could buy wrapped up. Man, I got like 10 of those. So I got a bag of candy here, okay? My wife, who loves chocolate, who's the only reason we went in the store for this thing, she comes up, she didn't have anything in her hand. I said, well, honey, well, aren't you going to get something? She says, mm, yeah, I'll, I'll just take that uh, chocolate ball right there. Let me tell you something. This was not no ordinary chocolate ball. This was like a chocolate ball on steroids. It, it was as big as, as a baseball. I'm not kidding. And it was, the chocolate was at least a quarter of an inch thick, and inside it was peanut butter. It was a Reese's cup that had just exploded. 
So she said, I'll have that. I said, okay. I said, what else? She said, nothing. That's all I want. I said, honey, they got caramel apples back there. You want caramel apple? You can put anything on it you want. No, I just want this chocolate ball. I said, well, honey, they got truffles. You want truffles? She said, no, that's all I want. I said, they got scraps. You want, you want scraps? No, I'm good. I'm good. I said, okay. I said, check us out. He checked us out. We go outside. We go over there, and there's this fire right by this creek. So there's a creek going. There's an outdoor fire. It's kind of snowing. So she gets her chocolate ball out. I get my caramel apple. It's all sliced up. I pop one of them things. It's just, it's still warm. Melts in your mouth. I'm starting. How many of y'all going to go get a caramel apple after this? Word? this is <laughs> I pop that thing in my mouth, and I was like, mmm, this is good. She takes one bite of that baseball chocolate ball thing and starts wrapping it up, puts it up. I said, honey, honey, what are you doing? Is it not any good? We'll go back. I'll get you another. She goes, no, it's just rich. I'm just going to eat on it for a while, about like a week or something. I said, okay. She looks over at me. She goes, your caramel apple looks good. I said, it is. She said, can I have one? I'm like, okay. I take, I take one. Don't, don't act like y'all never done this before. So I take one. I give it to her. She goes, mmm, that's good. Can I have another one? I'm like, yeah. I give it to her. I start popping them things in my mouth. And you know you do the same thing. You go through the drive-thru, you get, you get the combo, you know, and you get your fries and stuff, and then your wife says, no, I just want the grilled chicken sandwich. That's all I want. And you want the combo? You want the fries? No, I'm on a diet. I don't want the fries. Then when you get through the driveway, she starts eating your fries. <coughs> You're like, you should have got your own fries. I would have bought you some fries. But no, you don't want no fries, and now you're eating my fries. Listen, so that's why I get all like, mm, okay, and I'm throwing them things down my mouth. Now, I shouldn't have been that way. This was our anniversary. This is our 10-year anniversary. I've been without a wife for a long time. I, I should have said, hey, honey, uh, yeah, you, you have all my apple, and matter of fact, I'll go get you another one. That's the way I should have been. Y'all are laughing, but y'all are the same way. Don't be acting like, oh, you're not spiritual. You, you look what you should have done. You... Listen, hey, that's the same we are way with God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, God loves a cheerful giver. And that's the way we should be. We should be a cheerful giver. And, and here's the thing. I know a lot of y'all are starting to freak out right now, and like hair starting to roll back up on your neck and stuff, and you're like, oh, he's going to talk about giving. There it is. Uh-huh. I knew we picked the wrong week. It was raining. That was a sign. It was a sign we shouldn't have even come to church this morning. Hey, let me tell you something. This is not going to be that kind of sermon. All right, I want to tell you the secrets to a blessed life today. This is principles that I've learned from the Word of God that God has blessed me and my family, and I just want to pass it on to you. Listen, I don't have a dog in this race. Do y'all understand that? I'm not, I'm not a pastor at this church. I'm not, I'm not getting anything out of this by preaching on this. I'm here to bless you. I just want to bless you and your family like God has blessed me and my family. And I'm going to tell you, God is good. He said, why, every time I come to church, you always talk about money. No, no, I'll tell you what. Here's the deal. Did you know that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined? So just because there's some jokers on TV that are preaching it the wrong way, doesn't mean that we should be scared of it and not talk about it. No, no, we need to talk about it. If we're going to be preaching on it the way Jesus did, we need to preach on it more. I mean, if we're going to do it proportionally the way he did it, because here's the thing. I just want to bless you. I just want it to help you and your family. And not only that, help the kingdom of God. Now, here's that we should have God's perspective, that it's his money and we're just stewards of it, and not the world's perspectives that, oh, it's ours, we get it, we deserve it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the secrets to the blessed life. But before we do, you need to know this. The big secret to the blessed life is generous giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul talked about it here to the church at Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1, I want you to see what he says. He says this, There is no need to write for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. Now, 
when he's referring to the Lord's people, he's talking to the church at Corinth about the Lord's people in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem church, okay? Verse 5, he says, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you bless and you honor your word today. We thank you, Father, for being so good to us. Thank you for the rain. Thank you for our families. Thank you for our friends and for just being an awesome God. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the secret to the blessed life is generous giving. Now, we got to understand what is generous giving. All right, so in first of all that you need to see in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, when I just mentioned that Paul said he was talking to the church at Corinth about the believers in Jerusalem. Did you see that in verse 1? He says, there is no need for me to write to you about the service to the Lord's people. Now, generous giving, first of all, is over and above your tithe. Now, I told you he was writing to the church at Corinth about the church in Jerusalem, and the reason he was writing to the church in uh, in Corinth about the church in Jerusalem was because the church in Corinth promised to give a generous gift to the people in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem. You say, why were they doing that? Because Jerusalem was hit hard economically at this time. They were suffering financially. There was a drought in the area. So they they had no money. It was sucking them dry. The church at Corinth was not this way. They were thriving. Why? Because Corinth was the capital. It was a seaport. It was thriving. It was, business was thriving in the whole city. So they had money. Church at Jerusalem didn't. So the church at Corinth promised to give over and above their tithe. This wasn't to their church. This was over and above their tithe to give to the church at Jerusalem to help them out, to bless them. Now, just to make sure that we're on the same page, I don't want to take it for granted that everybody understands what the tithe is because we might have guests or visitors that doesn't understand. So I just want to hit that real quick on what the tithe is. The tithe, first of all, is 10% off the top of your income. Not after you've taken out taxes and done this and paid for this and paid for that. It's 10% off the top. Okay? Now, just to show you, in Malachi chapter 3, God talked about the tithe. In Malachi chapter 3... Verse 8, God said this. This is God speaking. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. Your whole nation because you're robbing me. Hey, folks, uh, our country is under a curse right now. Because not only is our country robbing God, our churches are robbing God. Your family is under a curse because you're robbing God. Our whole co- we're wondering what, why we're in this situation. Why we're in the predicament that we're in as a country. Because we're robbing God. We're stealing from God. And our whole country is under this curse. Listen, just to show you that you think I'm blowing smoke or whatever. Uh, matter of fact, this message, I never hardly get to preach this message. I never have preached on giving until about two or three years ago. And I preached it because uh, when I go to a church, I'm, I'm telling people about Jesus. That's my whole purpose in, in ministry. But I, every once in a while, I get to preach this now because my pastor asked me to preach this about three or four years ago. And he said, you need to preach this everywhere you go. And so I've only preached it now about six times. The last three churches I've been in, no joke, the last three churches I've been in that I've preached this message, 30%, only 30% of the people in the church had given a dime in the last six months. Do you know what that means? That means when I go preach in churches, if that's the, on the average everywhere I go, that means 70% of the people in the congregation have not given a dime in the last three months to God. And we say, oh, no, we're not under a curse. Our, our church is okay financially and all that kind of stuff. Now, I'm going to tell you, in these three churches, uh, two of the churches had one staff member each not tithing. One of the churches had two staff members not tithing. You know what I told the pastors? I said, I would give them a chance to repent. Those staff members, if they don't repent, I'd fire them. You want me to tell you why? Because if they don't trust God with their own personal money, how in the world can we trust them with God's money and operate in the church? Same goes for deacons, leadership across the board. 
I know I'm not a pastor here, and I, but I'm going to tell you, if I was a pastor, I'd be pulling uh, a tithe on records on people that are in leadership. Because people, I don't care if they're deacons, I don't care if Sunday school teachers, you don't tithe, you don't need to be teaching, you don't need to be leading. Because you don't trust God with your own money, you're not going to be able to trust God with other stuff. You ought to fire them. Now, say, that's why you're not a pastor. Well, amen. There you go. <laughs> he goes on and says in verse 10, he says this. Bring the, this is God. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room enough to store it. Do you know that this is the only time in the Bible that God says to test him? He says, if you don't believe me, test me. Test me and see if I will not take care of you and I will not throw up the floodgates of heaven for you that you won't be able to handle it. He said, test him. But no, we have people that are tipping God, throwing, you know, five bucks here or a dollar here. That, that's not tithing. He says, bring the whole tithe, 10% off the top into the storehouse. And then he says this, if you do it, he says in verse 11, he said, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. He said, well, Ronnie, I don't have a garden. What's he talking about dropping fruit and, you know, and pests devouring my crops and all that? You may break it down modern times for you. Here it is. Uh, I'll prevent your car from breaking down, says the Lord Almighty. I'll prevent your AC and your water heater from going out, says the Lord Almighty. And he says, test me in this and see if I will not do this. I'm not telling you to do something I don't do. Okay? You don't believe me? You, I have one of my board members right here, Dan Salter. You can ask him if we don't tithe. In our ministry, our personal account, we tithe. But not only that, here's what happened. When I, I gave my life to Christ when I was eight years old. And when I gave my life to Christ, I mean, I would sweep my dad's shop. He'd give me two bucks, tithe 10% off the top, 20 cents, went to the church. I have done that since I was a kid all the way through whole life. When I was in seminary, and pastor can tell you, when you're in seminary, you're poor. You're broke, right? Don't have any money. I was in seminary, and I read this passage in Malachi about your tithes and offerings. And when I read that, God just spoke to me. And says, Ronnie, you're doing tithes, but you're not doing offerings. You're only doing tithes. And he says, the blessing comes with tithes and offerings. So I was like, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I just felt impressed. For, he just impressed on me to start increasing my giving to 15%. So I went from 10 to 15%. That year alone, I'm not, hey, I'm not playing. That year alone, God doubled our income. And I'm talking about from every year since then, our income has increased. When I got married to my wife, I told my wife, I said, honey, she uh, quit her job with NASA, flew out, uh, you know, moved to Texas. Uh, uh, she got a job working for Lockheed Martin on the F-16, worked there for a year and a half, didn't like working for a private sector, so she started her own business, and a, a marketing business on the Internet. I said, honey, I'm not telling you what to do with your business. I'm just telling you what God's done for me. I said, I want to encourage you to get 15% of the money that you make from your business. My wife started with one client. She now has over 3,000 clients all over the world that God has just con continued to bless her business and increase her business year after year. God has blessed. I'm telling you, what I'm telling you to do, what I'm encouraging you to do, and God will bless your family, he'll bless your business, he'll bless your finances, he has done for me. I am living proof that he does it. He says, test me, I've done it, and he's come through time and time and time again. And, and I'm going to tell you this, I'm a faith-based ministry. You know what that means? That means I don't have a job next year. Every year for the last 28 years, I have not had a job the next year. The only way I get a job if churches call me and say, hey, would you come preach our church? Never know if that's going to happen. Never know if any church is going to do that. And when I get there, don't know how much I'm going to get. And God has continually blessed over and over, year after year, living by faith. God has done it, and he'll do it for you. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm living proof. The Bible says in Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. 
Listen, I'm going to tell you something. That money that God gives you, that, that tie, that 10% off the top, it's not to be used for vacation. It's not to be used for, to buy new toys or to pay for your kids' private education. It's not to be used for any of that stuff. It is the, it is the holy to the Lord. It is the tithe. I don't, listen, I don't want that stuff in my house. I want that money out of my house because it's not mine. It's God's. It's holy. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. I heard a pastor use this illustration one time. Let's say Tim. Let's say Tim comes to me and says, hey, uh, Ronnie, um, my wife and I, our car broke down. We went having transportation this week. We, 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 could we use your truck this week? I say, Tim, no problem. I give him the keys to my truck. He says, I just want to borrow it while my, my wife's you know, vehicle's in the shop. He said, I'll get back to you then the week. I said, no problem. Give him the keys to my truck. Tim takes my truck whole, whole week. Used it all week long. What if Tim comes back to me at the end of the week and says, hey, Ronnie, my wife and I, we've prayed about this. And we have prayed about this hard. And we feel led to give you the keys to your truck. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Is he giving me that truck? No, that's my truck. That is my truck. I don't care how led he feels, how much he's prayed about it. That is my truck. Don't be telling me you give me the keys of that truck. That's my truck. Now, if Tim comes back to me and says, hey, Ronnie, man, we prayed about it, and I'll tell you what, I feel bad about it because, you know, your truck's old and stuff like that. So um, we went down there, and we got some new tires on your truck, filled it up with diesel, and uh, got a new paint job on it, detailed it and everything. So here's your keys to your truck. Now he's doing something. <laughs> okay, so if we look at tithing that way, the tithe is really not ours to give. It's God's to begin with. So now you want to do something? Do over and above your tithe. Now you're doing something. The tithe is the beginning of our giving. It's not the end. It is a launching pad to a lifestyle of generous giving. That's what God calls you to do. And I'm just going to tell you, you do it, he'll bless you. Now that we understand what the tithe is, let's get on with being some more secrets to the blessed life of the generous giving. Generous giving, not only is it over and above your tithe, generous giving, it's a heart thing. Verse 6, the Bible says this. He says, he goes on in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He says, remember, he's still talking to the church of Corinth about the church in Jerusalem. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, this giving thing, it's not a have to. It's not, oh, God's twisting my arm. I have to do this. It is willingly, not grudgingly. Oh, it's time for the offering. I'm stinking ushers. I see, every time I see them, it just makes me just sick. Get, get my check out. Okay, here. Here is your money, God. There. It's not grudgingly. We give because we get to, not because we have to. It is, it is out of a heart, like I should have been with my wife in the caramel apple. I should have said, honey, here is my entire caramel apple. Let me go get you two more. I, that's what the way I should have been. Not like, oh, I've got to hurry up and eat all mine before she's. I, we shouldn't be that. We should be lovingly gracious because it's out of gratitude, not because we have to, but because we get to. Some of y'all right now are getting mad at this sermon as I preach. You know how I can see? Because I, I, I can read body language. And uh, some, some of you are yeah, here I'm stinking preaching on giving. That's, I shouldn't have come today. It's raining, and I shouldn't have come. Now he's preaching on giving. Look at you. Now, see, honey, I told you you wanted to come. Look at you now. You, they're preaching. It's all, see, and the thing about it is they're preaching. It's all Old Testament. It's an Old Testament law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. We're under grace now. Okay, Mr. Grumpy Man. You, you want some New Testament? I got some New Testament for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, the chapter before this, Paul said this. He said, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, and knowledge and complete earnestness and in the love we kindled in you see that you also excel in this grace of giving Paul said don't just get by with giving he says I want you to excel in this grace of giving 
that, that's not good for you, Mr. Grumpy Man? Mr. All, all it is is Old Testament. There's no New Testament. You want some more New Testament? How about Jesus? Is Jesus good enough for you? Okay, if Paul wasn't good enough for you, how about Jesus? Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus said this. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, your mint, your dill, your cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He said, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Hey, Jesus said, hey, you should have kept on tithing and also practiced justice, mercy, faithfulness. Jesus didn't say quit tithing. He didn't say stop it. That's not, that's old law. We're not a law no more. He said, no, you should have done that plus mercy, justice, faithfulness. So there's you some New Testament. No, he says to do it. We are to do it. And, and here's the, I have a lot of people who get this wrong all the time. They say, well, well, you know, money is the root of all evil. You know, the Bible says money is the root of all evil. Listen, you're going to quote the Bible, quote it right, okay? And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10 that you're trying to quote, here's what it says. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Listen, money can be used for good or it can be used for evil. There's nothing wrong with having money. It's, you can use it for good or you can use it for evil. It's the love of money or it's the worship of money. That's the issue. And you want to just boil down to it? It's just the bottom of your heart. That's what it all boils down to. See, the Bible says this in Luke 12, 34. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The issue is not about the money. The issue is about your heart. And I'm going to tell you something. You can give me your checkbook right now, and I can tell you where your heart is. Your checkbook reveals your heart. It reveals where your money goes to. It reveals whether you're greedy, whether you're selfish, whether you trust God or you don't. See, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. It's a heart issue. But generous giving is not only a heart thing. Generous giving is extravagant. Verse 6, he says, it's if you sow generously, you'll reap generously it's extravagant do you want to talk about extravagant giving in the bible there are tons of, of of examples of extravagant giving how about king david king david's one of them do you know when they built the temple in the old testament if it was today's time today's t money today's time do you know how much king david gave to build the temple of god and the old testament to build the church do you know how much what in today's time you ready for this 21 billion dollars not million billion dollars king david gave to build the temple in today's time you say wow that's unbelievable you want to talk about another extravagant giving how about his son solomon he learned it from his dad king solomon when he became king do you know how much they were supposed to sacrifice they were supposed to when they come become king you're supposed to sacrifice one bull do you know how many bulls that king solomon sacrificed not one not ten which would have been a big deal not a hundred. No. King Solomon, when he became king, sacrificed 1,000 bulls to God. As a result of that, you know what God did? God came to King Solomon in a dream that night. He said, Solomon, whatever you want, you ask for it, I'll give it to you. What Solomon asked for? Wisdom. So God said, because you asked for wisdom and you didn't ask for money, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you the richest man that's ever walked on this planet. Not only that, I'm going to give you a long life if you obey me. Extravagant. You say, well, Ronnie, I don't have money like King David and his son King Solomon. I don't have that kind of money. Uh, you want to talk about extravagant? How about the widow and the widow's might? Here it is. Jesus is in the temple, and he's watching people give. That's a whole other sermon. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just amazed about Jesus He's watching people give. And he's sitting there watching people make a big deal about how much they're giving and all that kind of stuff, and a widow comes by and so just puts in mites. You know what that is? That's pennies. Put, puts in a couple of pennies in the offering. And she puts in a couple of pennies. Jesus looked at his boys and said, hey, boys, y'all see that woman right there? That woman right there gave more than anybody in this place because she gave all she had. Extravagant. You won't talk about the greatest 
gift of all. John chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest gift of all in the Bible of all times is God giving his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and my sins. Blows my mind. Wow. And we freak out about 10%? Really? When he did all that for us so we could have life, so we could have forgiveness, so guilt could be taken gone, so we could have a relationship with God. He gave all he had. Gave his son. Well, you say, Ronnie, I can't make it now. How am I going to survive giving 10%, much less giving over and above that, giving 11, 12, 15%, 20, whatever? How am I going to make it? I can't even make it now. Well, first of all, you need to know this. You need to know that God is your source, and he's your provider of everything. God is your source. He goes on and says this in verse 8. He says, and God is able. We can stop right there. Just God is able. If you ever get worried, stressed out, freaked out about work, your family, what's going on, read 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able. That's all you need to know. God is able. But he goes on and says this, to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God, God will give you everything you need. And some of you sitting there going, no, God didn't do that. God's not my provider. I am. I did it. I built my company from the ground up. Or I, I climbed the ladder of my company. I worked hard. I did it. I did this. I did that. No, you didn't. You know what the Bible says? Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17, 18 says this. You may say to yourself that my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. God is your source. Not your boss, not your company, not your spouse, not the government. God is your source. And he's the provider of everything. The Bible says in Psalms 24.1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. God is your source. You're not the very breath that you have to get up and go to work every morning, God gave you that breath. God gave you that life every single day. You didn't do it. God did it. He's your source. You say, well, then why do I need to be a generous giver? What's the big deal? Why do I need to do it? He says, goes on in verse 12. He says this. This service, now remember, Paul is still talking to the church at Corinth about giving the generous gift to the church at Jerusalem. He says, this service that you perform it's not only one, it's supplying the needs of the Lord's people. When you give, it supplies the needs of the Lord's people. Number two, he says, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. When you give, people thank God. That's number two. Number three, he goes on verse 13, he says, because of this service which you proved yourselves, others will praise God. Did you see that? So when you give, people thank God and people praise God and people's needs are met because of your faithfulness in giving. But he goes on and says this. He others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Did you hear that? Did you see that? Listen, the gift always has to be accompanied with the gospel. Did you get that? The gift has to be accompanied with the gospel. Now, when we go to Nicaragua, we go on a, on a regular basis. Every year we go on mission trips down there to tell people about Jesus. And when we go, we get on the plane. Our team will be on there. And we take anywhere from 60, 70 people a year usually. And there will always be, especially in the summer, you'll see at the airport, especially international uh, terminals of the airport, you'll see all these mission trips going all over the place. And there'll be people on our plane going to Nicaragua. And you'll have from all different, from, from churches, from uh, organizations and stuff like that that are not even Christians. And they're going over to Nicaragua. And they're going over to paint schools to do this, to do that. I'm going to tell you, we do that stuff. We, we build churches. We uh, do uh, dental work. We, do, uh, we d dig wet water wells. We do all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you this. When we do that, 
we always tell people about Jesus. We never go over there just to paint a school. Think about this. Do you know how much money it costs for somebody on our team to go over to Nicaragua? It costs $2,000 for airfare, hotel, meals, translators, transportation, every, the whole nine yards. 2000 bucks. Now, why would in the world would I go to Nicaragua when, when a Nicaraguan family makes total for the whole year $500? See, you think that you're poor. You might not have a dime to your name, but if you've got change in your pocket, you've got a couple of dollars, you're in the top 8% of the wealthy in the world. Just so you know that. I don't care if you have a house, car, nothing. If you've got change in your pocket and a couple of dollars, you're in the 8% wealthy in the world. Why would I go over to Nicaragua, take one of my team members, takes $2,000 for them to go down there? Why would we go down there just to paint a school when I can hire three families, four families to paint a school? I can have them, give them a job that they'll make more money in one week than they do all year long. I can pay them to do that and then tell them about Jesus. Why would I waste God's money doing that? No, we go over there, we're going to tell them about Jesus because the gift is always has to be accompanied with the gospel of Jesus. Always. The Bible says in Psalms 67, 1 and 2, he says, may God be gracious to us. Why should God be gracious to us? Why should God bless us? Why should we have all this money in the United States? Well, may God bless us and be gracious to us and make his face shine on us. Why? Verse 2, so that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Listen, church, we have money so that the world can know about Jesus. That's why we have money. That's why we are blessed. That's why God should bless us, so that the world will know about Jesus. But you want me to tell you the sad thing I see? Church is not even tithing. Do you realize if churches, if everybody in the church across the nation and all the churches would just tithe, just 10%, do you realize what we could do for the kingdom of God? We would have already won the world to Jesus like that. We could own every TV station, radio station around the world, and everybody would know about Christ immediately. We could send out missionaries by the droves. But no, you know what we're having to do now? We're having to cut back on our missions because we don't have enough money at NAM or the IMB. Now, you know, you may tell you the sad thing. Here's what I've seen. I don't know if you've probably seen this. I, and y'all's church might do it. I don't know. And if you do, it's y'all about to get nailed. I, I have gone to Walmarts, and, and I have seen it at Walmart. I've seen uh, at the front a church doing a bake sale having cookies and cakes sitting out, or they'll have the teenagers uh, at a car wash out in the parking lot. Why are they doing it? They're doing it to raise money so that their kids in the youth group could go on a mission trip somewhere. You may tell you something, that's a black eye on that church. Here they are, they're putting their name of the church on front of the bank sign or the kids car wash sign out there saying, help us raise money to go on a mission trip. Do you know what it's saying? It's saying to the world, hey everybody, our church, we have a bunch of thieves in our church. They're stealing from God. They don't tithe. They're a bunch of cheapskates. So we don't have money in our church to send our youth on a, on a mission trip. So we have to get the lost world to do it for us. That's a black eye on that church. And it has to stop. Okay, well, I might need to hide behind this thing. I don't know if y'all carry here in Georgia. I couldn't carry here. I'm from Texas, and I carry, but I can't behind the pulpit here because I came on a plane. But um, <laughs> so you say, uh, so you say, well, how do I do it, Ronnie? I can't. I can't tithe right now, much less give over and above. I can't. Hey, let me tell you all this. Listen, if you don't hear anything else I said today, you need to hear this right here. Everybody, listen. You hear this part right here, students. You too. You need to know this. I don't care if you work at McDonald's, make five bucks an hour. You need to listen to me. I don't even know what you make now. What do they make at McDonald's? I don't know. $7.25 minimum wage. Right, listen, you need to be tithing right now. You need to be faithful now. So God, because here's the deal. Listen, hear this. You say, I can't give. I'm too broke. I'm too in debt. I can't do it. Listen, if you're saying I can't, you never will. 
And let me tell you what else. Listen up. This, this is going to free you for the rest of your life, or are you going to stay in bondage? If you're saying you can't do it now, you never will, and you will always be broke. I'm telling you this as truth. You will always be broke. If you won't tithe now, you're going to be broke the rest of your life. So how can you sit there and say that? Well, the Bible says it. The Bible says you'll always be broke. So how does it say that? Uh, Jesus said in Luke 16, 10, he said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Did you hear what I said? Uh, you can't be trusted with what you got now. You're not going to be trusted with greater. You say, oh, no, Ronnie, uh-uh, you don't understand. Ronnie, if I was to win the lottery, if I was to win the lottery, I would give to the church. I would give a big chunk of change to the church. I'm here to tell you, no, you wouldn't. So, oh, no, Ronnie, I would give. <clears throat> I'd give to the church. I would. I would. If, Ronnie, if I won the lottery today, I would give. To, no, you wouldn't. You mean break it down for you? All right, look at this. If you win the lottery, let's say it's one million. Win a million dollars. You know what the tithe is on a million dollars? $100,000 off the top. You go, no, i got to take money out of Uncle Sam. No, off the top, tithe is $100,000 on a million dollars. Now, guess what Uncle Sam's going to do? Uncle Sam's going to get you some taxes. You know how much they're going to get? At least 40%. So now you're down to $500,000. He said, Ronnie, I win a lottery of $500,000, only $500,000 after I win a million. I couldn't live on that. There's... There's no way I could live on $500,000 as a millionaire. I couldn't do that. I would no longer be a millionaire. That's exactly why you're always going to be broke. Did you hear that? If you're not faithful in the little, you're not going to be faithful in much. God can't trust you in much. Teenagers, if God can't trust you right now, you being faithful in the tithe and making minimum wage, he can't be you can't be faithful in the greater things. It starts now, and God will bless you. If you do it. You say, well, how do we do it? James 1, says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So you sat there and you've heard this whole message. Don't just hear it. Do what it says. You say, how? Uh, well, here's what's going to happen. In just a minute at the end of the service, we're going to pass offering plates. Every week they pass offering plates. And you can give doing that. Putting your check in, 10%, and God leads you more, 15%, which I encourage you to do over 10, whatever it is, 11, 12, 13%, whatever it is. And, and we give more than 15% a lot of years. We give sometimes 20, 25%. And I'm just telling you, you do that, God will bless. And you, you say, well, how do I do offering plates when they come by? But guess what? You're not always here, are you, on the offering? Sometimes you get sick. Sometimes you go on vacation. And some of y'all think, well, if I'm not here, I don't have to give. Where, where does it say that in the Bible? Show me. Pull, pull up right now because I'll change everything I'm saying. If you, if you can find that in the Bible that you don't have to give when you're not at church, I would, I would love it. Because guess what? If I live the way you think, I would only have to give about 12 times a year. I'm on the road preaching 40 weeks a year at least. Okay? So if I live like you, man, I wouldn't have to give about 12 times. That, that wouldn't be no big deal whatsoever. Uh, but, but now here's what happens. Uh, when I'm gone, and, and I'm gone a lot, there is a check in the mail, to my church, whether I'm there or not. Some of you, you, you have a hard time disciplining yourselves doing that. Here's what you can do. You can give online. Can we show it up here, guys? You can give online at Beach Haven Baptist Church. You can just go to the website. Is it beachhavenbaptistchurch.org? Uh, beachhaven.org? And net and whatever. We've got all kinds of ways. All right. You see that red arrow underneath the doorstep right there pointing down to give, that green button? It's like that on that, on that website or on the uh, phone. You can just click on give. Is there another deal on there? Just roll that. Okay, then you go to this. So you can click on the uh, button that says click here to give online and then click one more time. Click one more time. Then you can put in your money where well, you're going to give to general budget. You give over and above to missions, Christmas concern, whatever. You choose one time. You choose right there on donation frequency. One time, weekly, monthly. You get paid once a week, you give once a week. comes out of your deal. If you get paid twice a month, you do it twice. If you get paid on a month deal, do it that way. But then you give right there. And then you, put, you can do it with a credit card. You can do it out of your bank statement. <clears throat> you can do whatever however you want to. 
But then, so when you're on vacation or something, you don't have to worry about it. It's going to be faithful. It's going to be there. Boom. You're going to give. It's an easy way to do. Let me tell you something else that happened. Uh, one of our friends, uh, Dan and I's friend, David Plyler, is one of my board members. His dad uh, did not get saved in life until late in life. And he was a construction, owned a construction company, very wealthy man. He got saved at the Area Wide Crusade at football stadium. And man, God just placed on his heart and he started giving to missions and, and evangelism and Bibles, sending them out all over the world. He died before I met David. But David shared with me about what his dad did and stuff. And man, it just inspired me. His dad, listen to this, his dad was smart enough. He set up a foundation and he put a big chunk of his money when he died into that foundation. And so that when he died, that ministry that he started, it continues on even after he's dead. And he's got a set of board members that, that send out missionaries and evangelism teams and, and Bibles all over the world and tracts. And he's not even here. And I was like, man, God, I want to do that. But I'm just a poor preacher. I don't, I don't have money like he does. I'm not wealthy like he is. But I want to do that. So here's what I did. I went out and bought another life insurance policy on myself. Now, my wife... And my son, I have one on for them. So if I die, they're taken care of. But I bought another life insurance policy, only 400 bucks a year. And so if I die, the ministry gets $500,000. It goes straight into the ministry. 500 grand. Do you realize I can never give $500,000 like that? But I can give $500,000 to the ministry. So when I'm dead, the ministry keeps on going, keeps sending out mission teams, keeps telling people about Jesus all over the world, whether I'm here or not. Folks, we have to think outside the box we got to do stuff like that. Some of you got stocks, bonds, whatever, that you can, you can do uh, uh, kind of trust funds to the church to do whatever to continue the gospel going out even when you're not here. Folks, because that's what it's about. What we only have, you know, between the time you're born and the time you die, you got that dash in the middle. What are you living for? What are you going to make an impact for the kingdom? Is it just going to be for that little dash or is it going to keep on going even after you're gone? Man, that's what God calls us to do. That's what he wants you to do. You say, Ronnie, you're telling me this whole deal is about the kingdom, this money given is about the kingdom? That's exactly what I'm saying. That's what the Bible's teaching. That we have money so that the world will know about the greatest gift of all, Jesus. It's not about growing our own kingdoms. It's about the kingdom of God. And there's some of you here, you didn't realize that God loved you that much. That he gave the greatest gift of all, his son, Jesus on the cross, so you could have a relationship with him. And if you're here today, you say, man, I've been searching, I've been looking, and I don't, I, I'm feeling something that, even around this Christmas time, and it happens all the time, that I don't have peace. Everybody else has peace and joy. I see other Christians around the have it. I don't have it. I want it. Listen, it's real simple. God loved you so much, he sent his son Jesus out of heaven, down this earth, to die on a cross to pay for all your sins, so you could have a relationship with him. And if you're willing to repent and turn from your sins, say, God, I've messed up. God, I'm turning from my sin. I want to invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, my Savior. If you've never done that before, and you would like to, you'd like to have true peace. Because, hey, listen, Christmas presents, they're come and gone. Jesus' peace is forever. And if you want that peace, then right now I'm going to pray that prayer. Right where you're seated, you can pray with me and invite Christ to come to your life, and he'll change you forever. Listen, issue's not about the money. It's about your heart. And he wants your heart. He wants all of it. And if you want that relationship with him right now, I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer with me. Could you do me a favor? Give me two minutes. Nobody get up. Nobody leave. No ushers. No band. Nobody. We're almost done. Just give me two minutes. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes, please? With heads bowed and eyes closed. You say, Ryan, that's me. I don't have a relationship with Christ. And I want one right now. Then if that's you, I'm going to pray that prayer. And right along where with me. You can pray with me and invite Christ to come to your life. If you've never done that before, pray this prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I've messed up, and I want to ask you to forgive me my sins. And God, I turn from my sins, and I invite you into my life to be my boss and my Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one's looking around, I'm not going to come to and embarrass you or call you out. I just want to pray for you. If you're here this morning, you say, Ronnie, for the first time in my life, I understood what I was doing. I meant business. 
I just prayed that prayer, and I invited Jesus to come to my life. If you just prayed that prayer with me, would just those of you that prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me right now and let me catch your eyes? Say, Ron, that's me. I prayed that prayer, and I invited Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, in the back, back here. Anybody else over here on this side? Over here in the middle. Anybody back here in the middle? You pray that prayer, just look up at me. Let me catch your eye over here on this side. My left, your right. Got you, buddy, right there. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, right there. Anyone else? In the balcony? If I, and it's hard to see up in the balcony. If you did, just kind of wave at me. If you did in the balcony, just look up at me. All right. Would just those of you that prayed that prayer, would you just keep looking up just for a second? I just want to share something with you from God's Word. I want you to know this. According to what the Bible says, God has forgiven you of everything you have ever done. All your sins, they've been wiped out. You've been clean. And now he's come to live in you, and he'll never leave you. And he says, now that you've, he's come to live in you, he says that you're to take a stand and you're to let other people know. He said, how am I supposed to do that? Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, he said, if you confess me with your mouth and believe, he said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. He says, if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father who's in heaven. It's imperative we take a stand for him. So he said, what am I supposed to do? Here's what's going to happen. In just a second, we're going to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room. When we stand, I'm going to pray. When I say amen, the band's going to sing. Matter of fact, band, would y'all go ahead and come on up? When I say amen, the band's going to sing. As soon as I say amen, and they begin singing, pastor's going to be here, pastor's going to be over this side, I'll be over here. If you pray that prayer, you just come to one of us. All you have to say is, hey, pastor, I prayed that prayer with Ronnie. We're just going to introduce you to a person called an encourager. Matter of fact, encouragers, can you raise your hand? Let me see how many we got in here. My encouragers, our counselors, I got one, two, I need some more, three, four, five. Okay, counselors, when, when I say amen, if you would, as soon as I say amen, you step out and come and stand on this front row right here where the pastor's sitting, facing us. And you say, what are we going to do? Those of you that prayed that prayer, we're going to introduce you to one of these folks. They're going to take you right out the side. They're going to pray with you. They're going to give you some information. Then if you don't have a Bible, we're going to give you a Bible. Because you start a spiritual journey with God today, and we want to help you grow and get to know Him. If you're in the balcony, <clears throat> you can come down those steps. Come right out here, down this aisle right here, or right here. And uh, we just want to be uh, pray with you, encourage you, and give you some material. It's important you do that, okay? So when we stand, I pray, I say amen, He sings. You step out and come. And counselors, when I say amen, that's when you step out and come. Can we all please stand now with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed and eyes closed. As soon as I say amen, you step out and come. You prayed that prayer. Father, thank you for those that trust you as the Lord and Savior. I pray you give them courage and boldness to take a stand for you.